When I was when I was six, I put my faith and trust in Christ. And as a as a small boy, I had no concept of of grace. I knew that I wanted to follow the Lord, and I knew that I needed to trust in Him for what He had done for me in order to be saved. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own, but I had no concept of grace. And so the first several years, I lived without really much of an idea about grace and really not that concerned about grace, even as I studied the Scripture and wanted to know more about the Lord Grace was not a big part of my understanding of who God was and how much I needed God's grace. It wasn't until I began to experience some of the difficulties of life, some of the deep, dark, long valleys that sometimes we go through, that I really began to understand and fully, more fully appreciate grace. I'm not sure I still do understand God's grace. But I understand God's grace much more than I did. And it's only through the the struggles and through the darkness, times for me of of despondency and, and even deep and long depression for a period of time, times of feeling hopeless because of the situation we're in, times of great disappointment mostly in myself, of, uh, of failures, of valleys that seem like just would not be able to pull out of, of pain and difficulty that at times you just despaired of life, just didn't want to go on. I don't know whether you've experienced any of those times, but I'm sure some of you have. But it's in those times, the worst of times that we go through as God's children when we really begin to grasp God's grace and to appreciate more fully God's grace. We come to uh, 1 Peter 5.10 and if you have your Bibles, turn there and we'll just think about what Peter said to the believers who are going through great difficulty and Many of them had lost loved ones. Many of them had lost their jobs. Many of them had been driven away from their hometown, from their families, and had lost all of their possessions because of their commitment to Christ. And over and over again, all throughout this book, Peter is dealing with the suffering that believers endure. But right alongside the suffering, we see all through this letter, the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. From the very opening remarks of this letter, Peter introduces to the suffering believers of the first century the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as he's ending this letter, we see in 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He is the God of all grace. 
He is gracious. That means He is full of grace. Out of God's being, out of God's character, out of the very essence of who God is, of which He always has been, He is now, and He can never change, is His graciousness. Even if you've not sensed that at times in your life, it does not mean that God has not been gracious. And at times where you have felt the most pain or maybe the the most distance between you and God or the most loneliness or helplessness, maybe when when you've lost hope, when you've lost the will or strength to go on, God's grace has been there. How do I know that? Because God is gracious. He cannot cease being that which He has always been. And that who He is at His very essence. First of all, He is full of grace. There is not a single part of God's character. There is not any part of His attributes who He is as a person that is not completely permeated with the grace of God. Even in God's holiness, which mandates His justice and His judgment, there is always grace. Even in the book of Revelation, where God is pouring out His wrath upon a world who has rejected Him and rebelled against Him, and God is drawing the curtains of human history to a close, you still see over and over again God extending His grace. He's full of grace. And He is extending grace. He is giving grace. Such an appropriate verse that Jason read to us from his dad. And we'll look at that again in a moment. He extends grace because He's full of grace. And His grace never ends. It's everlasting grace. There'll never be a time where God says, I've been so good to you and so gracious to you and so loving to you and so merciful to you and so kind to you and still... You sin against me, you reject my ways, you rebel against me, you still stumble and you still fall, and so I'm going to cut off my grace. His grace is everlasting to those who have trusted in Him. His grace is forever and ever and ever. Uh, There may be a day and there may be a season, there may be a time in your life where you do not sense very strongly the grace of God in your life. But I want to assure you, and Peter was assuring the believers in the first century, that God's grace is full, it extends to us, and it is everlasting. The God of all grace. The second thing I want us to know about God's grace is it's just a part of His character and His nature. He cannot be otherwise. Have you ever seen someone or known of someone or maybe someone in your family that If you had a word to characterize them, it would be gracious. They just seem to always be so loving, so kind, always think the best of other people. They always have a good word to say about individuals and never have anything bad to say or negative to say. If they're going through difficulty, they never express it. They're always concerned about others. And you would probably say about that person, they are so gracious. Wouldn't it be Good to, know, good to be known as a person who is just gracious and full of grace, full of kindness, full of mercy. Wouldn't it be good to be known that way? 
as we grow in our likeness to Christ, as we're more and more conformed to His image, I think that that's what we ought to become as believers. Some of us have a long way to go, and I'm not thinking of anybody in particular when I say that. I'm thinking of myself. I mean, we have a long way to go because all of us have tendencies to maybe get negative or maybe get critical or maybe think the, the worst of someone or, or maybe have a skewed perspective. But, but grace is what turns our heart toward the goodness of God and the kindness of God and to think the best and to hope for the best and to want the best. Grace is so intertwined with love that you cannot separate the two. We know that God is love. But we know that God is gracious. And I pray that as believers that we would take on more and more of our Lord's character. Amen? In being gracious. Our body, our family, as believers, we ought to be characterized by our love for one another, our praise toward God, and it ought to just spill out from us continually in a gracious overflow. Isn't it good when everyone in, a, in your family is just getting along with one another? And there's kindness, and there's love, and there's tenderness, and there's compassion, and there's concern for one another. And, and grace just fills the home, the family, the relationships. Isn't it good when that's experienced between a husband and wife, when everything is right between a husband and wife? And there's tenderness, and there's kindness, and, and there's and there's compassion, and, and there's care and concern, and, and thoughtfulness toward one another, and it's just grace flowing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Don't we all want to experience that? I've experienced times, and maybe you have too, bless you, bless you, when it's a difficult time, maybe it's a serious illness, or maybe a loved one has just died and I've been there with the family. And instead of grace, there was bitterness. There was animosity in the family. There was division. And you could just sense it. And every time that I've experienced that as a pastor, I, I've thought, what a tragedy that during this time when they need one another so desperately, they need to rely upon one another. They need the grace of God and they need grace extended from the Lord and they need grace that they can extend to one another. But there doesn't seem to be any grace there because it's been sucked out of the family's life because of bitterness and envy or division or some problem that they will not get right with one another. And then I've been in families where now they relying, they're relying upon the grace of God. They're trusting the Lord. They're praying often in times of brokenness and darkness and difficulty. And they're leaning on one another. And they're caring for one another. And they're encouraging one another. And they're looking to the Scripture for strength and for help. And I've been with families in some of the darkest moments where grace was there. And the pain was real. And the darkness and the difficulty was real. But the grace of God was even more real. And I thought how precious it is for this family to know the Lord and to experience the grace of God even in one of the most painful times. That the grace of our precious Lord is there. Don't you love God's grace? It's a distinctive attribute, this attribute of God's grace. 
And by distinctive, I mean the biblical understanding of God's grace sets Christianity, biblical Christianity, apart from all other world religions. There is no other way to think about God. There is no other world religion that understands the grace of God other than biblical Christianity. In many world religions, God is too distant to show grace and kindness and favor. God must be appeased. God must be submitted to and obeyed. There may be characters of, uh, or elements of God's holiness in those religions as they think about who God is. But one element that is always missing in every world religion except for biblical Christianity is this, this idea and appreciation and understanding of the graciousness of our God. It's a Christian distinctive. And then the fourth thing about this graciousness of our God. It is a self-revealed attribute. It is so important for our understanding as believers. It is so critical for us to be mindful of and to understand fully and to learn to appreciate more and more as we walk through life that God revealed this attribute of Himself to Moses. In Exodus 34, as God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, after he had given the law showing his absolute holiness and his standard of holiness that none of us could perfectly keep. So he is holy and we're sinful. And yet God revealed to Moses and he spoke and he said, the Lord descended in the clouds and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That's how the Lord revealed himself to Moses. The first way that he revealed himself after saying, the Lord, the Lord is gracious and merciful. The psalmist declares over and over again and all through the scripture and the prophets declare the grace of God. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 86 and verse 15. Psalm 103, 8 says the Lord is merciful and gracious. Psalm 111, 4 says the Lord is gracious and and merciful. Psalm 112.4 says, He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Psalm 116.5 again declares, Gracious is the Lord, and righteousness, and righteous our God, is our God. Psalm 145 verses 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. You feel like that you may be just trying to go it on your own, dealing with the problems on your own, just kind of struggling through life, doing the best you can. You're trying hard, you're trying to do what's right, but it seems just like it just life just wearing you down. You ever seem like you're abandoned? Your husband's not 
doing his share. It's probably always the case, isn't it, guys? Your, your wife has let you down. Hopes or expectations that you had for life, maybe for marriage or family life, or maybe for your job or finances or whatever it may be, that hope is kind of gone. It's hit the skids. Somebody that has everything that's going right and someone that everything has worked out pretty much according to their plan, they really have no need for grace. But, but I want you to lift your head up to the Lord. If things haven't really worked out as you've thought, if, if it seems like you, the, the struggles are greater than you ever imagined they would be, if it seems like that, that this season of loneliness or this season of difficulty just seems to go on and on and on, Lift up your head to God's grace. Learn to lean on God's grace. To trust God's grace. To appropriate God's grace. Has there been something in life that's just wounded you so badly that it just seems like you can't get over it? Has there been a pain that is just almost too much to overcome? Maybe an emptiness that just seems to be gnawing at your soul constantly. Maybe a longing that, that just nothing ever seems to satisfy or be fulfilled. I want you to look to the Lord Jesus. He's the only one that can satisfy the innermost longings of your heart. But even for believers, there are times where we've trusted in the Lord and we're trying to obey the Lord and we're trying to follow the Lord. And it just seems like, Lord, when will, when will it ever just seem to be right? When will life just seem to fall into place and work out? That may never happen in our lives until we're actually in the presence of the Lord. But I want you to know grace is what sees us through and what holds us up and what grabs a hold of our hand and helps us to walk. Grace, trusting in the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God is what allows us to endure any pain or hardship that any believer will face. Now, if you're not a child of God, the grace of God has been extended to you in common grace. He's good to you. He's allowed you to live. He gives you breath. He gives you the, the, the joys of life that you enjoy. He gives you any of the goodness that you enjoy. That's the common grace of God. But listen, you're not going to receive the grace to endure the hardness and difficulty and pain unless you're one of His children. And even then, you must look to Him for it. You must ask for it. You must live in it. Swim in it. Breathe in the grace as we sung before. God's grace. God's grace is a grace that, that saves. Most of us here have experienced that saving grace. Even when I was a young man, I, I couldn't appreciate the grace of God in salvation. I've come to understand it and appreciate it more. God's grace is a grace that saves. God's grace is a grace that sanctifies, helps us to live like we're saved, helps knock off the rough edges of our old sinful life, helps us to follow the Lord and, and, and learn to grow in the Lord and be more like the Lord as we, as, we, as we obey Him and as we grow in our salvation. That's what sanctification is. That's God helping us to grow in our Christian walk. And it's a grace that not only saves and sanctifies, it's a grace that sustains us, that sees us through, that bears us up, that carries us, that holds us. It's a grace that we may not even recognize at times. It's a grace that a lot of times we don't even identify, but God is always at work extending His grace, pouring out His grace. I think of 
Homer Rickman who knew God and walked with God. And he was in his 70s. And Homer and his wife Irma prayed with Kim and I as a young couple many, many times. We'd get down on our knees together and they would pray for us and lift us up to the Lord. Loved to hear Homer pray. I don't think he ever graduated from high school. He didn't have a, a lot of education, but man that worked hard all his life, but just had walked with God and loved God. Homer began to, to act in a way that really wasn't himself. He was always very kind, very upbeat, but he just seemed distant. And seemed, seemed like he just wasn't himself and seemed like he was short and, and even getting a little bit negative and critical. He just wasn't the person that I knew. And we were concerned about him. One day he left the little cafe where he had lunch talked to some of his buddies there at the cafe, and he pulled out on the highway right in front of a truck hauling cattle. The truck swerved to try to miss him as he pulled right out in front of it, slammed on its brakes. Cattle went everywhere inside of that truck. The truck flipped over, hit Homer. It was a bad accident. But he went to the doctor for his injuries, one life-threatening injuries. Of course, they did an x-ray. And they found that he had a, a large mass on his brain. That was God's grace. Allowing him to be in that accident, preserving his life, but then allowing the doctors to find that tumor. Our first wedding anniversary was spent at Sparks Hospital in Fort Smith. All that day, from 5.30 that morning till 8 o'clock that night was our first year anniversary. And we were with that precious family as Brother Homer was going through brain surgery. And it was successful. And he returned to his old self. How is God's grace? God's grace is at work in our lives even when we don't realize it. And you say, well, if God's grace has been extended to us, then why did God allow this to happen? And, and why, why did this take place? And why did this have to happen like this? We'll never understand the hows and whys of God's grace. But I want to tell you something. God's grace and kindness and love is always controlled by God's wisdom. God always knows what's best. You say, but wait a minute, I don't understand. It could have been so different. Things could have, if, if, if God would have just done this, then this wouldn't have happened. We can think of all these different things that we could question God's wisdom. But I want you to know, grace is what brings us back around and say, God, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why you allowed this. I don't understand why you did this. But Lord, I know that you are gracious. So it brings our hearts back around. Grace that sustains. And then there's grace to serve. We're not just on a pleasure boat on our way to heaven. We're here to serve. We're here to, to be a blessing to others. We're here to show others how great our God is and how gracious our God is. So there is grace to serve. Not out of bitterness, just, okay, I have to be a good Christian, so I have to do what's right. But grace to serve, to serve with kindness. It oils the machinery of the Christian walk. It helps us to serve the Lord without grinding and wearing down. Without grace, we can't do what God would have us to do. I don't care how good you are. 
how wonderful you are, how kind you may be on your own, how good a person you may be. You cannot serve the Lord without the grace of God. We desperately need it to serve. And it's a grace that secures. I absolutely know that if I drop over dead this morning in front of you, that would be a shocking thing. And I hope that doesn't happen for your sake. For me, it would be great. For Kim, probably not so much. But if I fell over dead, just like that, God's grace holds me secure. Do you believe that? Do you know that for certain? God's grace is a securing grace. Whatever your present need. I don't know what you're going through. I know some of what's going through, gone in your lives just because I'm your pastor. But I don't know all that's going on. But I'll, I do know this. For whatever your need is, whatever your difficulty, whatever your heart's cry is, that maybe you've let no one else know, God's grace is sufficient. There's grace for whatever you're going through. You may not be going through difficulty. You're just going through the, the rigors of life. Just, just the daily activity and it's just, you know, you're just wore out and there's just so much going on. It all may be good, but it's just wearing you out. There's God's grace for that. A lot of times we don't think to say when everything's going good, Lord, I need your grace. Lord, I need your grace. Paul begins all of his letters to the churches in the New Testament. At some point, and in some form, he begins all of his letters, grace to you. Have you noticed that? And then at the end of the letters, in some form, but in every letter, he'll say, grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. So grace to you, and then looking back, grace from the Lord Jesus. Grace be with you. Grace to you. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, we see that Noah was found in the grace of the Lord. Are you found in the grace of the Lord this morning? The prophets prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Crying grace, grace unto it. And then when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we've seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace piled upon grace. Blessing after blessing, the translation read, that Jason read. Grace heaped upon grace. We've all received that as believers. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. From Jesus when He spoke, and never a man spoke like He did. From Jesus came grace-filled words. And you and I have received the words of His grace, which is able to build us up. Our Lord has spoken these words of His grace, which is the gospel of the grace of God. And God, by His election of grace, has chosen us in Christ. We've been called by His grace. And by grace, we've been saved. So, we might be shown as His children the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not our own doing. It is the gift of God. We've been given, each of us who, who know the Lord, we've been given the free gift of grace, abundant grace, and the free gift of righteousness through one man, Jesus Christ. Salvation is the gift of God's grace. 
And we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. By His blood to be received by faith. Abbey Grace, not only have our sins been forgiven, but also through Him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Aren't you glad of that? We have positional grace. Even when we don't feel like it, when it feels like that, that, that we're distant from the Lord, we stand in His grace as His children. We're no longer held by the power of sin. Did you get that? We're no longer held captive, enslaved by the power of sin. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law, but what? You're under grace. Are you under grace this morning? And even though my flesh, Paul said, he said, I'm weak. I know that I am. Even though our flesh is weak, it is by the grace of God, Paul said, I am that I am. And my desire is to live for God. My desire. And I pray it's your desire. My desire as a child of God is to live for Him so that His grace toward me was not in vain. He saved us for a reason. He saved us for a purpose. Don't let God's grace be in vain in your life. At any point, every child of God is to be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. We're in difficult times. We're in perilous times, the Scripture says. These are dark times. So let us have grace because we've received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And because you and I are citizens of the kingdom of God, because we're children of the King, and because I have given my heart to the Lord, I will let no corrupt talk come out of my mouth, but only what is good for building up others, that I may give grace to those who hear. I will daily with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Don't you love that term, the throne of grace? I will daily with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that I might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not only the help that I need when I'm in a time of need, but grace to help others when they're in a time of need. I've got to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. I'll commit to serving others by the specific grace of God that He provides in order that in everything God might be glorified in Christ Jesus. I'm going to live for His glory as He gives me grace. All that we do as followers of Jesus, we're to do in order that the name of the Lord may be glorified according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers, we have abiding in us the Spirit of grace, the Bible says. So let's all be Fred and Tambra singing with grace. Because grace reigns. Grace reigns. Not sin and death, but grace reigns. This grace is sufficient grace. Because God's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Let me read that again. So having all sufficiency in all things at all times. That pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? Your grace may abound. In every good work. So thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. The gift of the surpassing grace of God. It's not only just what we need. It's more than what we need. So if you're not experiencing that. It's not because God's grace is not enough. It's because you're not coming to the throne of grace. You're not surrendering to Him. And yielding to Him. And just drawing from the well of grace. Because His grace is enough. This grace of our Lord 
overflowed for me with faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. And for all that you and I go through in this life, God provides all that we need. This is the grace of life. Marital grace. Work grace. Living grace. Monday morning grace. Teenage child grace. Keeping grandkids grace. Flat tire on Monday grace when you got a test. I mean, it's grace for life. Real life. It's grace for our struggles. Grace for our joys. It is grace for all of life that God desires for all His children to have. It's grace for the present. It's grace for the future. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Future grace. Grace when our Lord comes again. That grace... We cannot comprehend what it would be like. But what do you have ahead of you in your life? I can't tell you exactly what the week will bring or what this next month will bring or what this next year will bring, but I can tell you what you do have as a child of God. You have grace to look forward to. It's future grace. Look forward to. Set your hope. Set your confidence in the grace that you have in the future. At His revelation, we'll all be partakers of this everlasting grace. Revelation chapter 1 says that it is grace that comes from Him who is and who was and who is to come, as we say. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. And finally, when you get to the very end of God's gracious book, His grace-filled book, at the very last verse... Revelation twenty two twenty one, And when all of us who have received God's grace are gathered around the throne of grace where we'll be forever, forever secure in His grace, we'll see what I'm calling the end of the story grace. You say, I'm not experiencing much grace right now. What's going on in my life? I want to tell you, if you're a believer, you're not at the end of the story yet. There's grace for now. Whatever chapter you're in, whatever season you're in, But I want you to know that the end of your story is going to be great. Because it ends with the grace of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. End of the story, grace. Don't you want to live in that grace? Saves us. Puts us into the kingdom of God. Into the family of God. Sustains us. Secures us. Sanctifies us. Don't you want to live in that grace in your marriage, in your relationships, in your church, in your lives? It's it's not going to be easy, but grace is going to be there. It's not going to work out according to your plans all the time, but God's grace is never going to fail you. You and I can fail to appropriate the grace of God, the Bible says, but the grace of God will never fail you. How many of you, when you look in the mirror, sometimes you wonder, how did it come to this? Who is this person I'm looking at? I can't believe you're so old. Have you ever talked to yourself that way in the mirror? Every day. I heard yesterday on K-Love, they said, more than 10 minutes of looking at yourself in the mirror can cause great depression. I don't know anybody that looks at themselves 10 minutes in the mirror. But sometimes do you look and you look at yourself and you look at your life and you say, 
It's just not good. I mean, look at you. And you get to thinking and the devil gets to throwing up all of your shortcomings and all your weaknesses and all your failures and all the ways that you stumbled and all the bad things that's going on in your life and all the loss of hope that, that maybe you'd look forward to but those dreams are dashed. And, and you get to looking and you get to thinking and, and you're not getting better looking, you're not getting fitter and things are not going, you know, looking like they're getting better in your life and you just think, oh Lord. How did it come to this? I want you to know there's going to be a day when we're going to be around the throne of grace. And all we see is grace. And everywhere we look is grace. And we look at our Lord Jesus, the Lord of grace. And our God is so gracious. And we'll say, oh Lord, how did it ever come to this? So wonderful, so good. All sorrow's gone. All tears are dried. Everything is wonderful. Lord, how did it come to this? And we'll just have one word to say. Grace. Grace. Let's pray. Oh Lord, all of us have failed your grace at times. All of us have stumbled in our own weaknesses and failures. Lord, we've let ourselves down, we've let others down, and we've let You down. But Lord, Your grace has never let us down. Lord, I pray that You would buoy us with Your grace. Strengthen us in Your grace this morning. Lord, help us not to look anxiously about at all that's wrong, at all that causes us to despair. But Lord, help us just to lean on Your grace. Lord, just to love You. To lift up our hearts to You in prayer. Lord, to draw grace from Your words. Lord, just to set our hearts upon You because You're gracious. Lord, I pray You'd strengthen Your children.